Welcome to Crone Life Joy Reboot Podcast, revolutionising how cisgender, trans women and AFAB non-binary individuals over 40 experience midlife, menopause and ageing. I'm your host, Pia Antico, a Crone Life Joy Reboot Mentor, founder of Essential Awakening Mentoring, a number one international best-selling author and public speaker, who at 50 is a late-in-life queer, neurospicy, three deaths before 30, two abusive marriages and major head injury life rebuilder. Crone Joy listeners. Today, my podcast guest is Jo Pibus. She has spent 40, her 40s finding her athleticism and became an Aussie representative athlete. But perimenopause pulled the rug out from under her and left her with many questions and on a quest to find her next challenge and desire. Jo is a freelance columnist for Her Canberra and co-host for one of my favourite podcasts, Alex the Seal Podcast. And Jo is inspired by irony, oxymorons and paradoxes to write her observations from life in the Middle Ages, fondly referred to as Jobservations. (laughs) Jo has written her first novel and is currently writing her second. Welcome, Jo. And... Let's talk about this article that's just come out uh, over the last yesterday, day before, about uh, young people working internships because it's blowing up over social media and people are going crazy about it. What's going oh, on? Well, Pia, yes, this is a surprise. So this this is a story that dates back about six years where my daughter went mm-hmm. um, and, you know, wanted the rock star job, even though she had a, a casual job at high school with a... Um, a um, after school care at her old primary school she wanted the glamour of working in a cafe well of course we all know not so glamorous and of course invited along for the old trial shift for which it ended and I picked her up and she's in tears she said mum all they did was bark at me they didn't tell me how to do anything or what I should do uh, this has been a disaster. I'm not going back. But there was one problem, Pia, and that is that she, <laughs> they'd given her one of their cafe shirts, which had their logo embroidered on it. So, you know, it could have been a $50 shirt. So I went home and hatched a plan. And that was that I uh, washed and dried and ironed and packaged and drove down to the cafe and paid for parking. So you can sort of see where I'm heading here. Uh, went in and said to the manager, yes, um, yes, you, my daughter was in for a trial shift. Oh, yes, yes, we were going to get back to, uh, you know, didn't remember a name. I went, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I bought back your shirt, but I wouldn't let it go uh, until I explained to him I had to wash it and iron it and I had to put it in a bag and I had to get in my car and drive here. And and the long and the short of it, Pia, is I said, my daughter might work for free, but I don't. That's going to be 10 bucks, buddy. <laughs> And so he just looked at me in shock, pulled out his wallet and gave me two $5 notes and I handed over his shirt and walked away. And there was a lesson in that for him, uh, I hope, <laughs> maybe not. Um, but I just wanted to show my daughter too, it's okay to be assertive yeah. and it's okay to um, to recognise that as not something that you should have to put up with. Anyway, of course, it's 
hit the uh, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age yesterday afternoon and today, and it's just gone crazy. It's still trending as number one lifestyle article on the Sydney Morning uh, Herald. And uh, anyway, it, it's great. It's a great conversation. I love these conversations. I write with humour and irony, as you've already pointed out. So Absolutely. there's a, a bit of fun in the story, but it's also a, a message to um, people out there. If you're going to employ people, at least show them what to do, for heaven's sakes. What, Absolutely. I mean, how do how does it how to create a small business? Start with a big business, Pia, and then don't train your staff. Then you'll yeah, have a small that, business. <clears throat> that makes sense. And frankly, I'd throw on there: don't have people in without paying them. Yes, I just I, 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 I'm just so offended by the notion of unpaid these labor. trial things. I know, and it's still happening today. It's a disaster. But anyway. it's illegal. Oh, I, I thought that I, was I believe illegal it is. in Australia. I, I yeah. do believe it is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the reason yeah. why I brought the story up now, even though it's from a little while ago for me, is that I, I've been hearing these stories from other mums with their kids going through the same thing. And I see it in cafes myself, you know, young people being treated appallingly. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, it's uh, it's it's certainly doing the rounds online and lots of comments, which is good. Lots of comments. And what, what makes um, what's coming to mind in, in spinning from it is... We're in mid-age. We are in our, as we, as I love to say, our crone stage, hopefully, our stage of life where we get to say what we mean and mean what we say and not be so worried about uh, the, the, the the opinions of others when we speak our truth. But when we're younger, we don't. We find ourselves unable to do that. And I was wondering with yourself, when did you start noticing that you were able to say speak up and speak up for yourself and other people did that yeah. was that a midlife thing for you as well look i think it, it well i think that it was a motherhood thing a little bit okay. so yeah. you know the um that primal responsibility for another another being yeah. which um definitely comes from a biological base i truly believe that yeah. um but there's definitely no doubt, uh, and even though when that incident happened, I wouldn't have been, I would have been more sort of perimenopausal and early perimenopausal yep. with not really aware yep. of it. But no doubt today, um, for the fact that I wrote that article and put it out there, now this is the menopause woman doing this now mm. because I'm backing myself about what I'm saying. And um, I think that, you know, from where I stand now, yeah, my uh, definitely not really caring what other people think of me if I've backed myself and I am really happy with my message that doesn't mean I can't go off yeah. and be an arsehole Pia that's not that's not uh, a license to just no. shoot at the hip all the time but it means that yeah. I am I am I am assertive now of course you know we've, we're in this world of people calling people Karen and my apologies to anyone who was given the name Karen at birth mm -hmm. it's so unfair because yep. They've taken one, two, three dozen women's ridiculous rants mm. and then labelled any woman who's assertive with this yep. name that is also a woman's name. So, you know, with this label of being, you know, the the uh, moaning myrtle, the, the, the screaming, you know, banshee. And uh, so, yeah, it's interesting. For men, it's being assertive. For women, it's, um, you know, screeching. And being a oh no no for sure, whatever sure. they want to call you <laughs> definitely no I, I I've got to say I've been yeah in 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 my feelings 
about that uh, the Karen thing because look, I understand it came from um, and, and rightly so, calling out of uh, white white women racists. I, I get it, but then mm-hmm. to yeah, sweep it across just anyone who any any woman who's uh, middle aged or older. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I find it just. And, and that women are, and then and that women are also using it against other women, and I, I'm just kind of yeah. going, no, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right, no, at all. No, I agree. You know, mm. Yeah, we've got to come up with another term to um, reference the, the those that are, are racist and uh, speaking shit, basically. Yeah, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So I am really excited because uh, coming from myself, who who is not athletic, never been athletic, uh, struggles with any notion of exercise. Though, of course, trying to get a little bit more into uh, to doing some joyful movement of some sort. But your background is one that you 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 were speaking of being um, athletic and then finding men- perimenopause kicked in and and you weren't able to do what you used to do. Can you expand on that and what you've done about that? Yeah, yeah. Look, well, I think it's important to firstly point out that, um, you know, as a a younger person and a young mum, like in my, um, you know, teens, 20s and into my mid-30s, I wasn't sporty at all. I wasn't a sporty kid at school. I wasn't in teams. And it was really after (laughs) I had my children and which was all by the early 30s, I had our three kids, that truly it was an aesthetic thing. I didn't like the way my body was looking after having three kids and I wanted to do something about it. So I joined a gym and then I found through the cycling classes at the gym, hey, I'm competitive here. I can see myself trying to out pedal even though we're not moving in these bikes they're completely stationary um and a friend of mine had done a a trial triathlon before like a little newbie sort of uh, novice uh triathlon said come along and give it a go and I just loved it I loved it and so before too long um through my late 30s I got hooked and very much supported by my husband because when you do a sport like triathlon it's not just one discipline that you have to train there's three there's the cycling and the swimming and the running um and so by the time I hit 40 I had progressed to doing uh, an Olympic distance triathlon which is a normal triathlon in many ways but you know for me not having been sporty and doing that at 40 was huge and I, I got hooked even further because you could then um compete around Australia in a series of events and if you did well you got chosen to represent Australia at the eight what they call the age group world championships and I managed to get in twice so I got to represent Australia twice so this is you know early 40s and then look I just couldn't stop then I was on a roll I felt fitter than I felt my whole life I was on fire and (laughs) I thought, well, when I say on fire, you'll hear soon that uh, I soon put myself out. But um, I went and did uh, Ironman triathlon as well here, which is the extreme, stupidly long, you know, go a whole day. You know, you finish an Ironman triathlon by running a marathon. So it gives you a bit of an idea. So you've already swum over three and a half kilometres. You've already ridden your bike for 180 kilometres. And then you jump off your bike and you run a marathon. So, yeah, and even I today, I can see that look on your face. I feel the same way. How the hell did I do that? 
And so all this was going along swimmingly. And when I got to about 48, actually, so I'm a bit of a late bloomer, a bit late onset to the old perimenopause and menopause. Um, I decided let's up the ante. I'm going to do a 100-kilometre trail run, which is just running 100 kilometres up mountains over dales and and uh, on on trails and the training for that uh started to become problematic because i ex- was starting to experience my periods were becoming heavier and um and more frequent so over uh, a period of a sort of 12 months my periods ran for 21 days not the 28 day cycle and so what that meant for me is that over that 12 months i had three extra periods and then given those periods were heavier, I was just hemorrhaging iron. And so whereas I'd been very used to the vigours of training, I had no trouble with coming to terms with that I had to do to do this run, my body was changing. But you know what? I didn't know why. I had no idea at 48, you think I would, as to why is this happening? Because it didn't align with my very vague notion of what menopause was. Yeah, definitely. I've got to say I'm on the opposite. I'm noticing longer periods, sh- like like longer stretches, lighter yeah. periods. Yeah. 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 But obviously, yeah, it's the the other experiences there and for sure. So when did the penny drop and how? Well, yeah. Well, I guess firstly I went to my doctor and mm-hmm. really I had a problem and I wanted it solved. These heavy periods were meaning that I can't run 100 kilometres. I want to run 100 kilometres. What are we going to do about it? So I was immediately shipped off to a gynae and it was sort of said there, this could, you know, part of probably your your change towards menopause. And I'm thinking, what, what now? You know, I have no idea. I can't relate to that. I thought it was when your periods became less frequent and they were lighter that, you know, like you're down to your last little drops. And, um, and so the the uh, I booked in to have a chemical ablation, which was to basically burn the line of my uterus to stop the blood being able to uh, collect there, uh, which for many women is so successful. Um, you know, it saves them, you know, the terrible embarrassment of, you know, having to go to work and get on with a job and, you know, not... Yeah. You know, not obviously it's not about running 100 kilometres. For many women, it's a lifesaver and it helps them keep their career and their sanity. Um, But anyway, so I signed up for that. I thought this sounds like a great idea. But then I went home and I started to get on the interwebs and started to think, hang on a second, what am I doing to myself? I'm prepared to have this invasive procedure so that I can run 100 kilometres because at that time I worked from home and hours that suited me. Having a heavy period, although not fantastic, I wasn't in any, it wasn't hindering me to get on with life in in other terms. So I had a really good look at it. And the thing that came to mind, P, and the thing I tell everyone about my menopause story is that prior to having that little talk and then starting to Google things, I was having to use for the first time in my menstrual life those extra long overnight maxi pads, you know, they look like a single bed mattress. They're bloody enormous. And um, the brand that I had had the tearaway strip, okay? And Uh on the tearaway strip, it had um, trivia to, I don't know, humor me while I'm sitting there changing my extra large maxi pad. I don't know. But one one of the pieces of trivia I remember very well was that turtles can breathe out their butts. 
And that was very okay for me later <laughs> because I knew that turtles could breathe out their butts before I actually knew there was even something called perimenopause, you know, the bit yeah. before. Yeah. And that's when I went, okay, got the 100Ks done. I did it anyway because I'm mad. Yeah. And then I thought, I am going to respect my body. I am going to slow things down and I am going to get out there and shout from the top of the hills, perimenopause, because yeah. I don't think anyone from my generation knows what the hell that is. And no, that's, they don't. They don't no. talk about it. No. No. That subsequently, I, sorry. No, no, I was going to say they, they don't. And I think a lot of us actually get, uh, go into it as a lot earlier than they even kind of say I think mine probably kicked in at around 37 yes the, the starting the, the the little inklings of hormonal changes that sort of impact um m many areas of your body like you know your, your met metabolism and your brain function yes. and everything it's not just about your periods no uh, no that, yeah. that's very very true and you know what what you're saying there we we weren't taught that you know, we never no. knew about that. We went through our schooling, um, certainly early high school, or they went right into reproduction and they made sure that we all knew how babies were made so that we didn't get knocked up. And then, yep. of course, you're then older and you want to have kids. Well, you've got a whole system mm -hmm. of GPs, fertility clinics, antenatal clinics. Everything is in place to make sure you know what the hell's happening, how to do it. How, to, how that baby yeah. comes out and the care afterwards. But then when we're no longer reproducing animals, then it's just crickets. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. When I was back at high school, I learned all about getting my periods, but they didn't tell me what happens at the other end of the reproductive life of a woman and what happens to her. And had no. I've had people have argued with me, Pia, that, oh, well, you wouldn't have listened anyway. No, I may not have. However, I would have at least had some inkling of what to go. It would be it when I was over, be, older. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be filed in the back of the head there for some other point in life when it is relevant. So yeah, but heck, doctors aren't even trained in it. They're not. That's exactly you know, right. I, when, so when I went up to um, uh, SBS Insight with a panel of women discussing menopause, Ginny, Dr. Ginny Mansberg, who's you know mm. quite a well-known GP that gets on telly and talks about anything and she openly said we were never trained there was never a particular unit that we did on menopause yet 50 percent of the population are going to go through it it's just nuts it's completely nuts yep, yep. if it was to do with men's penises believe me there'd be a six-year degree just on that alone <laughs> <laughs> oh and rightly so but we and need also a six-year degree on our <laughs> menopause yeah Absolutely. And so the things that you brought in place when you because I love that you sort of said you started to uh, pay attention to your, your perimenopausal body and the changes that it was going through and respecting it. What did that actually look like for you? Well, I guess it, it looked like um, firstly buckling up, you know, getting ready for, for the unexpected, um, you know, looking at lists of all sorts of things that can happen. I did go through a stage of fronting up to my GP quite often um, because, and please, ladies, whoever's listening to this, never second guess yourself. If something's going on and you don't have a logical explanation and it stays with you for a long enough period of time that you're worried, get yourself 
to a GP because, you know, there's all sorts of things that our hormones can do to us and you've got to be checked out. But there were lots of things, Pia, that happened. You know, it could be, so my jaw, I started clenching my jaw, um, bruxism when I slept. So I had to get a splint to wear in my mouth at night to protect my teeth. That's part of perimenopause. Um, Obviously, uh, night sweats. Well, I tended not to so much have day hot flushes, but the night version, the night sweats and understanding what that was all about. And, um, you know, more recently, my joints just ache a little bit because estrogen is just, it's like a recreational drug. And we're coming down off a big bender, us women, when we hit midlife and, and, and going through perimenopause because that estrogen, you know, it feeds our brain, it feeds our joints, it helps us recover from exercise. And so all these things were starting to wane for me. And um, I just kept check of myself, kept up a level of activity that I could keep up with and went from someone who trained to compete and, and enter races and events to someone who exercises and forgive myself if one day I don't roll out of bed and, you know, jump straight into my runners and go for a run. So um, the best thing for me, I guess I've been really lucky is that I already had a head for overcoming the procrastination of exercising. You know, that had been my bag. Yeah. I was had nailed that. And the best thing I've done is to be able to keep active. And sometimes that's just go out and walk for half an hour. You know, that's that's enough. That's all you need to do. Yeah. But that's that's been really helpful. I love that. And and the, and the truth is that for our hormones and the and the cortisol stress hormone and that uh, the the nature of uh, movement and exercise indeed does need to be um, milder and not so uh, extreme for our all over well being anyway. So. Uh, it's not just going for a walk, it's going for a walk. And that's really important. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. I, I know I also love that uh, in, in the intro, that you, in your bio, that, yeah, you shifted from sporty spice to creative spice. What was that shift for you? What did that that look like? How did you make the shift? Yeah. yeah. You know, it was really uh, not only a physical um, slap in the face, but, a real mental shift to not decide not to go and keep doing what I was doing, which was, you know, quite extreme training. It was extreme training. Uh, It was well measured and under a coach. So I wasn't doing myself any damage, but uh, clearly against my peers, I was doing something that was a little bit out there. And, um, and to put the brakes on that was really, really hard um, because it's something that I loved. It's where I got my, you know, beautiful dopamine hits from and adrenaline and, you know, it was just so terrific. Uh, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. I had no plans. I hadn't been sitting there in my 30s and early 40s thinking, okay, as soon as the wheels fall off your ability to do this, go and do this. But yeah. one one thing I, I did see, and my hormones took me there, you know, they just, they held my hand and they led me in the direction. It, it, was, uh, it was just done all in the lap of the gods, really. I went from, you know, sporty spice to creative spice. And and now I can reflect that, you know, one door shutting and another one opened. And um, where my athletic pursuits gave me a love for a finish line, because I was into endurance athletics. I was never fast enough to ever win any of these things. 
the the win for me was doing something extraordinarily long and and actually finishing it. That's that's the big kick you get when you do endurance events. And I decided oh, I'm going to write a book. All of a sudden, bang! You know, I, I guess I was the typical sandwich generation when it all started happening. Pia, um, I just lost my mum. I was looking after my stepdad and, in fact, also my biological father. So I had responsibilities for the older generation and then three teenagers' responsibilities for the younger generation, all happening amongst my hormones, uh, doing some backflips. And I just had this drive uh, to want to write a book. And all these characters started entering my head. It's just a, it's a, it's a, a fiction. It's a novel. It's just a, you know, a, a bit of a fun romp. But I, I thought I'm going to start writing, and that just came out of left field. I have no idea. <laughs> it's not like I had dreams of being a writer or a novel novelist when I was younger. Um, but one of the things that probably drove me is that when I looked up how to write a book, yes, <laughs> I didn't know. Um, I came across some statistics that 97% of manuscripts that are started are never finished. And that was it. That was like a red rag to a bull. Well, you can be damn sure I'm going to bloody finish a whole book. And I did 83,000 words. I wrote the whole lot. And so um, I then realized, ah, I still love a finish line. I'm just channeling it in a different direction. And then after that, you know, I really enjoyed the writing and from that I've become a freelance columnist that we've discussed and then from that became you know uh, meeting Sandy Lowry's I know you've spoken to Sandy on the Good Girl Confessional and been introduced uh, interviewed sorry by her and then me sharing with her I really want to do my own podcast on nostalgic music and just have a bit of fun and that's where Alex the Seal was born and Sandy and I now co-host that now just another completely creative endeavor. Uh, but it also has been wonderful because I've had to, like you, Pia, learn technologies. How do you record a podcast? Yeah. How do you edit a podcast? How do you actually publish it so all the people can access it on your podcast app? And that's yeah. been fantastic. So rather than my my body and my brain slowing down and you know getting me ready to sit in my armchair with my slippers, I've pivoted and, um, yeah, I've got this wonderful world um, of creativity just bursting out of me and I'm enjoying every moment of it. That is absolutely fabulous, Joe. I want to ask, what is the name of your book that's out? And I believe you're writing a second one. Yeah, look, the book is not out. It's actually, so my journey was I, I went to one weekend um, workshop and I joined the Canberra Writers uh, uh, Group. And th then I basically pulled a book off my shelf and thought, oh, that feels about right. I'm going to write a book this long. And I worked out. <laughs> and so I just went, Zzz, write the book. And then I um, got a structural editor involved. And that was fantastic because we spent six months on Zoom. This was during COVID, uh, having sessions. And she took me from the beginning to the end and helped me mold that book into something that's special and that would be appealing to a publisher. The book is currently with uh, an agent, so it hasn't been published yet. I, I do live in hope, um, but in the meantime, I'm definitely starting on, on the second book. Uh, and, you know, once again, the characters are leaping in my head. I love them. I, I, 
I actually mourn the characters in my first book. I miss them. You know, I loved my protagonists and I hated my antagonists. And and uh, it's a really beautiful relationship to have with these fictitious characters you've created. So I, I really hope one day I get to share that with others. But we'll see what happens, Pia. I'm sure. No, definitely. Have, I mean, have you thought of doing um, self-published through Amazon or whatever? What people do, they do stuff they like do. that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. And look, it is in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, my, my agent feels confident. She wants to hold on to it for a little longer. So we'll see how it goes. I definitely will share it with the world, um, irrespective of whether it goes through an official publishing house or not. There's, yeah, because it's... Yeah, the world needs and, your characters. Absolutely. And there's, look, there's plenty of people out there that um, can't afford to buy books. So I can yeah. put it up as a as an ebook for free. I'd be happy to do that if things don't work out. Don't listen to that publishers though. Publish my book. Publish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well look, I know that you're heading off for what, another interview? Third interview yeah. for the day? Oh well yes, in a in a little while. Yes. In a I'm little happy. while. But yeah. before I let you go to do that. I guess I wanted to know a bit more, expand a bit more with you, this experience of being 40 and above and, and the creative pursuits. Like what I know that it arised as inspiration kind of out of nowhere, but what what has helped you to really listen? Because the thing is a lot of people have an inspiration, they have a little uh, an idea, but they don't follow it. Mm, or they, yeah. you know, they don't stick with it. So that sticking with it and that listening and trusting, what has helped you do that? I think my depleting hormones, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't explain it, really. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, so many things happen, not just these creative pursuits, but I think, yeah. well, I already had a history of getting stuff done. You know, I, I do True. get things finished. So once I decide to take something on, it's going to get done. But who the hell knows? I just I just like who she is and I'm happy to run with her. But, you know, other, other so sort of quite a late onset. I call myself late onset to everything. So, my you know, my athletic pursuits started in my 40s. You know, my my writing career is, is just, you know, st starting in my 50s and podcasting in my 50s. All these late onset, you know, endeavours. My, my feminism, my... Um, you know, uh, some of my articles I wrote really have a feminist slant, which I didn't see myself as when I was, mm. you know, younger. Um, you know, I was the the girl growing up in the 80s with the, with the job, giggling along with the fellas at work, hoping they would just leave me alone, you know, just playing along yeah. in the hope that I could come out unscathed. And uh, so all, all these things have just blossomed out of me. Why? How? Well, I'm going to say that this is the upside of, of menopause and that is that yeah. something new will will light up in you and I just say grab it by the short and curlies and run with it, girls. You know, you really, oh, really um, listen in. Listen in to what your body wants to do and see if you can find space for that in your life because um, I think that uh, we've still got so much to give. You know, when you look back, when we went through puberties, puberties, Try puberty. <laughs> we, you know, we were all pimples and pubes sprouting everywhere and yeah. had to deal with the menstrual cycle. We were like this, um, we were a, 
a caterpillar and a chrysalis and we had to blossom out of that and, and get over that awkwardness. Well, we're a bit like that going through perimenopause. We go back into that chrysalis and this is us bursting out again as our new self and um, be a new self. Don't And don't bring your old prejudices with you. Be a new funky midlife mama and get out there and just back yourself and, and have a crack at whatever you like because hopefully like you and I, Pia, you won't give a shit what people think. And um, that's very liberating. It is. I think it's just the most joyful uh, stage now because, yeah, it's amazing how much we, when I look back now, that's supposedly best time of our life in our 20s and 30s, how much I put myself in a little box and shrunk myself. And, and yeah, it didn't. Uh, didn't dare say something that might potentially offend someone now it's like well whatever you know people yeah. will be offended it doesn't matter yeah that's right and you know that doesn't give you license to um you know you know be offensive but you can be assertive yeah. and i think that's where the line's drawn and i think yeah you know we've been you know the We've been brought up in a misogynary, misogynary way that meant we, we, we sort of don't know what we can and can't say. So just yeah. look into yourself and say, you know, is this, the, is this me being my best and true self? And then you can say it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I can't remember now who's, who's, uh, who coined this on TikTok just the other day, but they were just talking about boundaries and it just, it really, it, it made so much sense. A lot of the time we make the mistake of thinking boundaries are about something we put on other people to do or not do, but boundaries are about ourselves and about being clear about our own values and what we're willing to compromise on or not compromise on. And when you kind of understand that, a, a lot of fear goes away because it's not about trying to make other people do anything or not do something. But it, and, and it gives us the it gives you courage to sort of go, well, hang on, this is my stuff. And I'm allowed to say yes and no to the stuff that's relevant to me. And when you realize that, then, yeah, you, you, you're being assertive, but without yeah being an asshole or taking away the rights of other people or, or anything like that. And this that was just like that was an eye opener yeah during the week to, to see that distinction so yeah. yeah definitely definitely um i want to know a little bit about more about alex the seal podcast firstly explain to our listeners alex the seal where the heck does that come from <laughs> okay so the, the name alex the seal now of course it's a podcast about music nostalgia so sandy and i grew up uh, as kids in the 70s and 80s and uh, we love our nostalgic music and so the name of the podcast uh, was a, a no negotiation for me I knew it had to be called Alex the Seal. Alex the Seal is a mondegreen which is a fancy name for saying a misheard lyric and back in the uh, late 70s early 80s the band the Go-Go's had a yeah. song called Our Lips Are Sealed and that song in Australia um got the misheard lyric, Alex the Seal. And we all used to sing Alex the Seal instead of Our Lips Are Sealed. And so it's just become this sort of urban legend in Australia particularly. There is, uh, in fact, YouTube videos online showing them on Countdown and Molly Meldrum uh, chatting to them about everyone calling it Alex the Seal. 
And so hence the, um, you, you'll see the little logo we have. It's a, a picture of Sandy and I looking like we just got out of the shower. We've got wrapped ourselves in a towel. We've got a towel in our hair. And that's because the Go Girls album that that song came off was called Beauty and the Beat. And the front cover of that album has got the girls dressed like that. So we totally got our inspiration from Belinda Carlisle and the Go-Go's and that sort of uh, has created this whole world of people who just re that resonates with. And each episode we come up with a theme. It's not all about just misheard lyrics. It's all sorts no. of themes about the music that uh, we grew up with. And we have such a blast doing it. And we are, we are so cringy that it's good. I love your Molly Meldrum cutout. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. I do have a, a cutout Full size. size of Molly Meldrum. That's right. And he sits behind me. We love Molly. We love everything he yeah. did bringing us Countdown. Mm. He is a legend in Australia and um, there's no doubt that uh, we owe him so much for bringing us that music nostalgia that we love today. Yeah, definitely. I think he was like, was it, I guess Countdown was what, like our equivalent to like Top of the Pops and stuff. That they, yeah. they were talking about Top of the Pops in the Wham documentary just um, yeah. on Netflix. So, yeah, I guess that was our equivalent, I suppose, because I don't. I don't think we got Top of the Pops here, did we? I don't... No, I don't recall seeing no. it here. I have seen it when I was overseas, but I, I don't yeah. recall seeing it here. No, it definitely was. And it was, you know, it, it was groundbreaking because it mm. uh, brought uh, the world, uh, the world's music to Australia um, and brought artists here. You know, Molly brokered so many uh, artists into the Australian market, you know, Madonna, ABBA, you name it. And... Um, but then it also gave an opportunity for our local artists to get on telly and uh, to show us what they had. So it was a beautiful mix of, um, you know, local and international artists and really put a lot of um, uh, international artists onto the stage in Australia, Australian artists onto the stage in Australia and internationally. But even more interestingly, I think Molly's really re responsible for um, really pushing some international artists further than they may have got internationally. I know that, you know, there's talks about yeah. Madonna, you know, his, his um, uh, you know, interviews of, from her early on in her career that really got her broken here that then just sort of uh, snowballed uh, are really fascinating. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I loved, loved our Molly. Just trying to think also, teenage, was, there was another music show, um, Sounds. Sounds with Donnie Sutherland, that's right. That's his name. Thank you. I was trying yes. to remember what his yeah, <laughs> metaphors for getting people's names. Yeah, here, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and then, look, MTV came out. Oh, um, Richard, yeah. Richard Wilkins did our MTV here, if I remember yeah. rightly. And then, of course, Rage has been around forever, which is just literally playing over and over music videos. That's the other one. Yeah. yeah. Was it Rage in Australia? Was that out of Australia or would like MTV bring it in? I, I That's a very good question. I've only ever known Rage to be an Australian thing, but whether yeah, I it's so. elsewhere, I don't yeah. know. Sure. Yeah. So, look, talking music, talking, uh, uh, you know, looking back in nostalgia, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you if you had to pick a, 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 a song soundtrack for perimenopause and menopause, what would it be? Oh, oh, gee, that's a really, really good question. 
I think it would have, <laughs> it would have to be um, uh, something Eurythmics because I can just hear Annie Lennox's voice. I can just hear her voice. Um, what song? Oh, my God. Uh, look, I God, I don't know, Pia, but just basically anything Annie Lennox anything has else. ever sung because she's just, to me, the epitome of a, of a, a midlife um, wise owl woman and uh, she's got the voice to back it up. So, you know, right. dial into any of her angsty stuff and just yeah. allow it to wash over you. Is it Talking to an Angel? What, what's that song um, must be must be talking to an angel talking to yeah. an angel yeah that's popping only because it's popping into my head not necessarily that it but but it, it is one of my favorites would i lie to yes. you another song ah yeah no that makes that makes sense yes they would they would they have been yes oh no i love annie uh, yeah i've got a total girl crush on annie completely yeah yeah oh look thank you so much joe this has been so much fun Last little nugget of inspiration for our listeners before we go. Oh, okay. Well, nugget of inspiration. Look, I think don't be fearful of allowing wherever your new menopause body wants to take you. Have a, have a go. Um, try and find that part of you that um, is brave and uh, is willing to do something that maybe you've never tried before and just back yourself, totally back yourself. Oh, look, thank you so much, Joe. This has been so much fun going back in time with our music but also stepping forward into our midlife and beyond with, yeah, as you said, courage and creativity. Have a wonderful rest of your day, week, and year. And listeners, look forward to tuning in with you next week. So take care, love and light, and goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you, Pia. Pleasure. <laughs>